0: Hey, it's Scott Petrek with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. We have no need for a long-winded introduction today. The regular season has arrived, and the Browns and I will be headed to Charlotte this weekend. Here to discuss it all is Dave Chudowski of GO, the WKYC Morning News. You ready, Chud? Scott, man, I'll tell you, there's just certain
1: days of the year that fall above many other days, and this is (laughs) one of them. I mean... You know, it is just so exciting, especially, you know, for us over at channel three, you know, WKYC, NBC, we have, we have the game tonight, you know, uh, bills and Rams, what a great matchup, the defending champs against a team. Many think can win it all, uh, you know, almost got there last year. So, uh, you know, we're pumped up, uh, tomorrow morning on go, I have my Browns preview piece that, uh, is ready to go tomorrow. I enjoyed writing that. So I'm ready for that. Cause, uh as you know i did sports for a long long sure. time so whenever i whenever i get to do those feature pieces uh, i enjoy that so i just you know it's awesome football's back browns on sunday i mean really this is this is what you know you hate to see the summer go but this is what you wait all year for
0: yeah you're right i mean i don't like to see the weather turn so it can stay nice and sunny and warm for as long as possible but you know you fight fight through the, that preseason you know i mean there's a lot to talk about Um, There's a lot of storylines, but it drags on. So to get to the regular season, obviously we're taping this Thursday morning. So Thursday night's the first NFL game. And then it's just off and running, right? (laughs) You got 17 Browns games over the next 18 weeks. Um, Then you got the playoffs, obviously the Super Bowl. So this is certainly a fun time of year. And, you know, I know there's some people that love college football and I get it. I like college football, but I like the NFL better. And to have an NFL yeah. game tonight. And like you said, it's a it's a marquee matchup, right? Bills, Rams. Um, that does a tough game to pick. You know, I'm in one of those pick 'em leagues that does a tough game. So yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement, and you don't have to look beyond the Browns, right? I mean, we've been talking about it for months, or at least even before the trade was official to Carolina. Um, the Browns versus Baker Mayfield in Carolina. Um, obviously a lot of excitement. Yeah. And and I love college football too. And I've
1: debated people on this and the NFL just stands alone. I mean, college football is great. And every Saturday has great storylines and things happen. But the problem with college football is like Ohio state this week, for example, they're like a 45 point favorite, right? I mean, it's like a preseason game in the regular season. So the NFL week to week is, it's just so great. And this week, uh, you know, Browns Panthers and we didn't have a, a podcast last week. So we have a lot to cover here. Uh, So, you know, we'll do some rapid fire to make sure we lay everything in. But bottom line is uh, Panthers, I've seen anywhere from a two and a half to one and a half point favorite Uh, when the Lions first came out way back when the the Browns were a favorite. Um, How do you kind of see this? You know, we'll get into details, but just overall, I mean, the Browns 121 and one in their opener since 1999. I mean. You never feel good going into week one as a Browns fan.
0: No, I mean, that's a great point, right? And You can't get away from that number. However, it's a new team. It's a new season. Season, um, You know, I don't put a whole lot of stock in 121-1. and I understand the fans have those scars. I'm not sure Kevin Stefanski and his team have those scars um, since it's only been two games. I thought under Stefanski, two openers under Stefanski. Obviously, the Browns played well last year in the opener in Kansas City, a really good team. Browns had chances to win, kind of gave the game away in the second half. um, Stefanski's first opener was a first game. They didn't have any preseason. They went up to Baltimore and it got drilled. Um, In both instances, they came back and then went on a winning streak. So, you know, I I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on week one just because we built it up for so long. We've been waiting for it for so long. But this one's important. Number one, it's the Baker Mayfield matchup. Number two, it's Jacoby Brissett's. First chance to start for the Browns at quarterback. And we've talked about it, Chud. The schedule is easiest at the beginning. And the Browns are yeah. going to have to make hay in these first four games because then the schedule gets a lot more difficult uh, before Deshaun Watson's scheduled to come back <laughs> December 4th. And the schedule's tough after that, too. But you think, okay, Deshaun Watson's back. But, you know, the Browns, I think, realistically, need to go 3-1 and or 4-0 in the start to get their feet under them and to have some kind of cushion heading into – a really brutal middle stretch. So, you know, we'll talk about this matchup with Baker. I I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's an interesting matchup. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that the Panthers are the favorite now. Um, I just think the Browns overall are more talented. But it's interesting. It it really is. There's so much to discuss. I'll go back to that one twenty-one and
1: one in the opener uh, when we make our prediction at the end. So uh, I'll get back to that. But let's get right to it. I mean, the storyline is is Baker Mayfield and so much of my piece tomorrow morning is centered around that. Uh, whether you like it or not, whether you want to move on from it or not, you can't because it just stares you right in the face. What's the attitude of the Browns? You've been in Berea yeah. all week long. What's the attitude of the players as they get ready to face their former quarterback?
0: Yeah, I, I think the overall attitude is, you know, we're not going to make it about us versus Baker, you know, and I think that's a message from Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, Nick Chubb said the same thing and Anthony Walker, and you can go down the line. I do think individually there's some guys in that locker room who are looking to go give it to Baker Mayfield, right? Um, For whatever reason, I mean, maybe they're buddies and they just want to get the upper hand, right? And have bragging rights. Maybe it, they didn't end on good terms. So they want to, you know, show Baker what's what, Um, you know, because obviously Baker's a big personality. There's no doubt about that. So, I think he left an impression on anyone that he played with for the last one, two, three, four years. Um, I do think it's interesting. Um, a couple of my favorite quotes from yesterday, um, Nick Chubb, I asked him, you know, I said, do you expect there to be something extra from Baker? Like, what are you expecting? Cause you know, I thought Baker would say something outrageous before the game and he really hasn't, you know, there's that whole, um, you know, I'm going to F them up thing with, um, Cynthia Fralin, um, you know, that he denied and whatever, but he wasn't, you know, he obviously didn't think he was on the record when he said that. So I'm just saying from a, in front of the microphones, Baker has really bit his tongue and said all the right things, which surprises me. Cause I thought at some point he would say something that really, um, crossed, yeah. the, you know, crossed the line, got everybody fired up or whatever, um, he but said, a, he, he said, you know, he's not a robot. That, right. that
1: was
0: he a said, good one, the yeah. robot one. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I thought he might say, what, you know, like, I'm going to go show them or this one for yeah, right. fans fans, or something, you know, something that was really outrageous. And he hasn't. But that doesn't mean pregame he's not going to do something or during the game <laughs> he's not going to do something or postgame. I mean, you know, remember when Hugh Jackson went down to Kansas, or Cincinnati to work for the Bengals? And at the end of the game, Baker stared him down for like, it was forever as he ran down the sideline, right? So, yeah. you know, so I, I'm not—I haven't ruled out that Baker's going to do something. So I asked Nick Chubb, like, you know, what are you expecting? And he said, "We all know Baker. We don't know what to expect." And I, I just thought that was interesting. And then Anthony Walker, I asked him, you know, because there's so much there's from a football perspective, right? Who's got the edge? Baker knows the Browns' schemes. He knows their personnel. The Browns obviously know Baker really well. They know his strengths. They know his weaknesses. So to me, it's a natural question. I just asked linebacker Anthony Walker Jr. I said, do you feel like you know Baker's weaknesses and how to exploit them? And he had this big, like, there was a smile, but it wasn't like a fun smile. It was like kind of a weird, he didn't, you know, maybe a little awkward smile and a long pause. And then he said, we know Baker's strengths, blah, 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 blah. He just didn't want to go there. But I think that is the reality that the Browns know what Baker doesn't do well, right? And that's, Part of that is you hem him in the pocket, and you make him try to see around a lot of big bodies. Um, he doesn't do that well, right? You try to force him maybe one way. Um, so you make him, you know, force him into tough decision, quick decisions. You change your coverage, right? The stuff that we saw Baker, you know, not identify defenses maybe, not um, buying the open guys all the time, doesn't always see the field great. So obviously anybody who's seen the Browns knows or seen Baker play for the Browns knows where those weaknesses are. And obviously he does have strengths too. Um, but, but I just thought that it was an interesting kind of response from Walker. And then the last thing that's got, it got some run on Twitter after I tweeted it, you know, Baker talked in Carolina yesterday and the crux of one of his answers was he doesn't know why the Browns, he doesn't have any answers for why the Browns moved on from him. And, you know, maybe they never told him, but we know the answers, right? There's inconsistency. There was questions about his leadership, right? Like everyone else knows, but it's kind of interesting for Baker to say that he didn't have those answers. He also said that uh, no revenge. There's not a revenge factor. You buy that? Not at all. I don't buy that one bit. He also referenced, but then he referenced when he was in Oklahoma and went back to Texas Tech. Like that was clearly a revenge game. Um, and he, you know, he kind of brought lumped those together. So, you know, I think that was him trying to say the right things. You know, then you have this, you know, whatever sidebar of his marketing team releases these off-the-leash T-shirts that reference, you know, there's a broken dog collar, you know, some orange on the T-shirts. Like, it's clearly a reference of getting away from Cleveland or getting away from the Browns. He's been – Baker's been really complimentary to Cleveland, the city, and the fans. But getting away from the Browns, um, you know, Baker's been off social media, but he comes back to promote those T-shirts. It's just kind of an interesting, you know, kind of like footnote to all this that even when he's on this kind of straight and narrow path, there's people around him and he's involved in something that's that's not outlandish by any means. But, you know, he's he trying to make money, number one, and kind of poke in um, the bronze a little bit with those T-shirts.
1: Scott is a journalist. Do you have an opinion about the whole thing with Cynthia Freeland and how that, that went down with Baker? And, you know, is, do you want to comment on that? I mean, it it, it definitely was a, a huge deal when it came out.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, how I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Baker denied it. She stood by you know, she stood by it um, that he said that to her. Um, I tend to believe journalists, but, you know, That doesn't mean that she was being truthful. I do think there's. it sounded like some gray area listening to her interviews, whether or not she prompted um, that answer from Baker. Like, did she say those words, and he just kind of said yes or repeated them back to her, which is different than her saying something else and Baker using those words. Um, That's why I tried not to make too big a deal of that story um, because I do think it's it's a little hazy there how that went down. and, you know, obviously Baker did not think that was an on-the-record comment. So, and she admitted this. If she acknowledged this, she, would have, she should not have said it, right? She should not have used that as a public consumption or for public consumption. So I, I do think she erred there. I, I think there was a way to say, hey, I know Baker's fired up to go get beat the Browns um, without using the specific word she used that made it such a big story um, and then led to Baker's denial.
1: All right, let's look at the other side now. Starting for the Browns, Jacoby Bursett, I believe 14 and 23 in his career as a starter, if I have yep. that right. Yep. Uh, you've talked to him this week. Uh, he says he's ready for a chance and the best is yet to come. I mean, are you buying it?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I sat down with him. Yeah, it was, it, I sat down with him last week and then we talked to him yesterday as a group. Um, but yeah, it, it's really interesting. I, I do buy it to some degree, Chud. I mean, obviously there's questions, right? He's a backup. We know that. The Browns view him as a bridge to Deshaun Watson. That doesn't mean he can't win games. That doesn't mean he's not extremely motivated to win games. And the Browns feel like he will make better decisions than Baker Mayfield made. Right? Like I I think that's clear. I, I think they really feel like he's a better decision maker, better game manager than Baker Mayfield. And I I, and I think to some degree they also feel that way about Jacoby Brissett compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? When you looked at this quarterback landscape in the offseason, they like they like Jacoby Brissett. They trust him. And I think part of that is you watch the playoffs and you see Jimmy G make some bad mistakes. Um, and they don't feel Jacoby Brissett's going to make those. Now, he's got to prove that. But his, through his career, he's thrown, it's almost, I think it's more than two to one. I think it's like 36 to 17 touchdowns to interceptions. So that speaks to his decision-making, his game management. Now, having said that, he's going to have to make some plays, right? You don't win in this league without your quarterback making plays. Now, he'll be helped by a big-time running game. He'll be helped by what's expected to be a big-time defense. So there's less pressure on him, but he's still going to have to make whatever it is, three, four, five plays a game, red zone, third down, fourth quarter. Um, but where I think he has a chance to do that, and Andrew Berry, the GM, said this during one of the preseason broadcasts, is in the play-action shot game, and we saw Baker have success with that,
1: where yeah. they you know, they
0: fake the run, right, and he's dropped back, and he has time, and you have the one guy deep, and if you can hit that pass, not only is it an easy touchdown, it's an explosive play, it should loosen up the defense to some degree. So if they believe, and they do, that Jacoby Brissett can excel in that area, and I talked to Brissett about that, and I talked to Anthony Walker about his ability to do that. Then there is a formula there for the Browns to win some games and have some explosive plays. And you know, I flash back to the Tennessee game in 2020. That's the Browns came out throwing with those type of plays and had a lot of success. They had success on those against the Bengals last year in Cincinnati and probably their best game of the year. So it's not that's how Kevin Stefanski wants his offense to work. And I think that's an area that if Brissette can do it and he has some history doing it in Indianapolis. That that's a formula for success. The other two things I took away from Brissett is he he chose to come here because he knew he would start. Now he didn't know how long he would start, right? But the assumption was Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended, and he was adamant to me that he chose this because it feels like a tough situation, right? You're kind of you're holding us keeping a seat warm for Deshaun Watson. You didn't take a bunch of first team reps in early in training camp or throughout the entire off season. and Brissett said, hey. I wanted this because he wanted a chance to start because he feels he's a starter and he doesn't want to be tied into that journeyman label or the, you know, bridge quarterback label. And he said, Hey, I'm 29. I'm not old. I'm just getting started. And he feels like his story is still being written and the best is yet to come. Now, you know, that first of all, that's the right attitude to have second of all, that doesn't mean he's going to go eight and three as a bronze starter. Um, but i thought it was interesting to hear him say that and i think he's in the right state of mind for this what is a difficult situation i'm gonna start 11 games and then hand it over uh but he wants to prove something in those 11 games yeah that's a great
1: nugget man really well done there and i gotta tell you you kind of got me fired up anyone listening right now they might go run through a wall thinking uh <laughs> gonna go 11 and oh i mean yeah you... <laughs> i won't no you i know you make great <laughs> points though that that's good. But the bottom line is though, in an NFL league where you think passing first with the Browns, you got to feel, you know, a lot of chub, right? I mean, there's going to be a, a lot more chub. Is it time to go even more chub? I guess?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I do. And I know the Browns have been careful about overusing him and I understand it. In In 2020, they worked it, you know, almost to perfection, right? The balance of chub and Hunt in its whatever, 16 touches, 17 touches a game. It's not overwhelming him like you see a Derrick Henry get, you know, overused or, you know, maybe that's not fair to say overused, but get used a ton, right? Um, but I think it's okay to give Chubb a couple more carries. I'm not saying 25 a game, but if it's 20, 21 a game, I don't think that's too much. Um, I do still think you'll see a bunch of Kareem Hunt, Um You know, Nick Chubb thinks he's in a good, thinks Kareem Hunt's in a good mental state despite, um, you know, not getting that contract extension, not getting his trade request met. met. We haven't talked to Hunt yet. I'm hoping to talk to him today or tomorrow um, because I really want to hear about, hear from him, how he's approaching this season. Um, But I think you're going to see it. I think you'll see a lot of Nick Chubb. I think you'll see a lot of Kareem Hunt. And I don't know if it'll be week one, but I do think you'll see more of Chubb and Hunt on the field together. Because we've talked about this good. receiving core, right? We've talked about this receiving core and there's question marks. And I think the way you would leave some of those questions is you put your best players on the field. And those guys are clearly two of your best offensive players. And Chubbs or Hunt is in his last the last year of his contract. So why not try to get as much out of him as possible?
1: Yeah, good point. I want to go back to uh, the last preseason game against the bears and combine that with roster cuts and signings and injuries heading into week one. How do you feel the starters did against the bears to give them, did they get any momentum heading into this first uh, game? And then also bring us all up to date on uh, what you think of the roster cuts. Were there any surprises Uh, who they've picked up since and uh, any injuries we need to worry about?
0: Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any momentum coming out of that preseason finale and the fact is it feels like it's you know it's two weeks ago so even if they played well I don't know how much momentum they would carry over um but the offense struggled you know took like six series before Jacoby was could lead a field goal drive the defense gave up a bunch of points to Justin Fields having said that the Browns are probably without their top four defensive players in Garrett Clowney Ward and Newsom on offense they didn't have either running back that we talked about Joe Batonio Jack Conklin or Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So, you know, I don't know how how fair a picture that is, you know, that you get from that game. Um, and the, I think the Browns met their goal of keeping everyone healthy, right? The only person that didn't practice Wednesday was Jaden Clowney, and he has an illness. So, you know, the hope is that he's back today or tomorrow and that he's able to play Sunday. You know, Kevin Stefanski seemed pretty optimistic about that. You never know when you hear I- illness these days, but – um Stefanski said they expect him back um and I'm really heading into this opener Chud the only injury I mean outside of the clowny illness the only injury to think about is Jack Conklin and it's not a new injury he's just still coming back from that torn patellar tendon last year suffered in November surgery in December um he's been practicing the Browns just want to see like how he stacks practices does he go two or three days in a row um before they give him the complete green light to start. So, I think there's still some uncertainty there whether or not he'll be the starter. Um but if it's not week 1, it'll be soon. Um hopefully we know more, you know, today or tomorrow whether or not he's going to be the guy on Sunday because obviously the bronze really could use him. He's a two-time all-pro if he's back to where he always has played, then that's a huge boost for them. And then as far as roster moves, and I was a little surprised they kept Chase Winovich. Um was hurt for a Good chunk of the preseason, but the Browns think he can rush the passer, you know, off the bench. Um, so, you know, they really value that. So I get why they kept him, but it was interesting just because I had in person, I really haven't seen him do much. Right before he got hurt, I didn't see him do much. Then he got hurt, but the Browns traded for him for a reason. Um, little surprise they kept safety Richard LeCount third, but Andrew Barry does not cut his draft picks. He's never cut one of his draft picks in three years. All those guys are either on the team. There's a couple guys on IR, um, which is really amazing. And, you know, I, I think there's a bias there, and they probably have to be more more honest in their talent evaluation and not just stick with their draft picks. Um, but it's certainly interesting that he has the faith in all his draft picks. And then since then, they signed a backup tackle, Joe Haag, in case Conkin isn't ready, in case Chris Hubbard isn't ready, who he had, you know uh, – Torn triceps last year, so he didn't play after the opener. Um, so they have some depth there. And then they signed tight end Jesse James, a veteran, played in Pittsburgh, was drafted by Pittsburgh, played several years. And he's a big guy, more of a blocker. But it fills a neat because the Browns only had two tight ends on their roster, David a Coon, Harris, and Harrison Bryant. And this gives Stefanski the ability to run more of those two and three tight end sets. I don't know if they'll run as many of them as they ha- this year as they have in the past. Maybe they will with Purset, and then when you get to Watson, you open things up more. Um, but having James in that really proven blocker, uh, I, I think it, it allows Stefanski to do some of the things he likes to do with the two or three tight end sets and that play-action passing game we talked about earlier. All right, before we get to
1: rapid fire, just uh, let everyone know about the Panther scouting report. You don't have to go too in-depth, but just, you know, for – you know the die fans; they probably know a lot. You know, and for guys that, guys and gals that don't follow too much, I mean, they know Christian McCaffrey, but sure. they might not know too much more.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. They have some playmakers. You mentioned McCaffrey. They have you know Rashad Higgins from the Browns. He traded for a receiver last week, um, so they got some guys on offense. Like there's some pieces there. On defense, they have some speedy pass rushers. They have J.C. Hornet, corner. That's a young guy. That's Really good. He's had some injury history, but he's back. Um, I'm kind of interested to talk. I think we're going to talk to Amari Cooper today and to talk to Cooper about J.C. Horn because he studies those corners like crazy. Um, So, you know, I I don't think there's anybody outside of McCaffrey that blows you away on that roster, but they certainly have pieces. Um, When we're talking about matchups, Judd, right in this league is so much about matchups. They have a rookie left tackle. Number six pick in the draft, but you know, so I'm reading some stuff out of Carolina this week, and obviously they love his talent, right? Number six pick in the draft, but it's not like he had a great training camp, you know. From <laughs> from you reading this stuff, so I don't know how they're going to deal with Miles Garrett, and that's the kind of thing where you know Baker Mayfield when he gets the line of scrimmage is going to see where Miles Garrett is, and okay, how are we going to block this guy? And I just feel like this is a game that Miles can wreck, right? Like if he has. Whatever, two, three, three and a half sacks, whatever that number is, um, he could change the game. And I think the Panthers won't have full trust in this left tackle. So how do they how do they compensate for that? Do they roll Baker away from Miles like all game? Do they double and triple Miles, which then obviously if you do that, everybody you leave other guys one on one, and you don't get as many guys out in pass routes, which makes it tougher for Baker, if he's rolling right all the time, does that set you up for Jadavion Clowney and JOK to have big games? Cause they know where Baker's going. So I think that's a, I think that's a matchup to watch because I like think if you're Carolina, you have to be worried that if this guy does not handle miles Garrett, um, the game could get away from you in a hurry. All right. You ready to go rapid fire before we do
1: prediction? Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, 20 seconds on the clock.
0: Uh, before I start, though, did you sit down with Miles Garrett this week? Or I, it we... was la- it was last week. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because I do want to say everybody can go to brownzone.com and read all the stuff. Not not everything is up yet because the season preview just went to print last night. Um, but I had the Jacoby Brissett um, interview, and that story's posted. I posted a Miles Garrett one this morning, and it, you know Miles is so interesting. We could have talked about a million things, but a couple of the big takeaways is. You know, he thinks – I was asking, you know, do you think you're in your prime? Because he's kind of – he's not even 27 yet. You get to 27, um, I've read once that that's kind of when athletes hit their prime. And he said he feels like he's been playing at a – if not at his prime level close to it and keeps getting better. And he thinks he can play at that level for another decade. And I said, well, Miles, like when you came out, it felt like, you know, you had all these other interests and maybe you wouldn't play that long. You know, you'd kind of have a short – Brilliant career and then retire. And, and the way he was talking didn't feel like that anymore. And he said he thinks he can play at a high level for another decade. He is inspired by guys like Tom Brady and LeBron James. And I said, well, you know, does that mean you got like another contract or two in you? And he said at least one. So to me, that is a sign that Miles is really going to stick around for a long time and play at just this incredibly high level that he has as he chases defensive play of the year, as he's committed to bringing a championship to Cleveland. And then as he wants to go get that sack record, um, you know, which is 22 and a half and he thinks he can go get 24. So I think there's some interesting nuggets. We talk about the relationship with Jadavion Clowney, which he called explosive. Um, So, yeah, so I sat down with him. And just the last quick one, we might've talked about this before, but I finally wrote the story about Amari Cooper is a route runner. And I I thought it was fascinating. It hasn't posted yet. But keep an eye out for that because he just takes you in-depth. Um, yeah. He thinks they're the keys to route running. Yeah, you talked about that before. I, I can't wait to read that because that's uh, that's
1: some good inside stuff there. Well, you know, I've always told people not to go buy jerseys necessarily because, you know, you never know how long you're going to have them with the names on the back. But maybe Miles Garrett's the jersey to go get.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it really is, right? For a while, it was Joe Thomas. who was about the only yeah. one you could trust. Now maybe Miles right. Garrett and Nick Chubb. Um, and just while we're, <laughs> it's you know DJ Moore is one of the receivers for Carolina, um, and then I didn't want to butcher the guy's name, so I just called it up. Uh, the left tackle is Ikem Equinu So you know, I Bless didn't, you, I, yeah, right. I needed to look that up before I said it. So you know, those are guys that get Robbie Anderson at receiver. Brian Burns is one of those, is one of their pass rushers. Um so you got to keep an eye on? But there's not a lot of huge names, you know, when you look at this at their rosters because they're kind of. You know, they've been bad the last few years, right? So they've had some turnover. The coach is in his third year. Um, But those are the names I would keep an eye on. Well, in the fantasy
1: world, a lot of people are high on DJ Moore yeah. figuring that, you know, he finally has a quarterback that can pepper him the ball with Baker.
0: Right, right. And they have him and then Higgins, and they made that trade for LaVisca Cheneau Jr. Um, he's mm-hmm. that other receiver. So Baker does have some targets if he, if he has time to throw the ball.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: All right. uh, Let's go to rapid fire
1: now. Uh, Hold on. Let me get my clock back set up here. So we got to keep you tight here. Um, All right. Here we go. Rapid fire. Number one. Do you believe that as long as Brissett keeps the Browns around, that Deshaun Watson will be able to just
0: come right in and save the day? I don't. I, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's asking too much. It'll be a 700 day layoff between regular season games for Watson to come in and go five and one maybe even four and two is a stretch. Um, so I think the least that Jacoby set needs to do, and it's not just him, but the team needs to be six and five at least. And then you hope Deshaun Watson goes four and two and you hope 10 wins is enough to get you in the playoffs. Season captains. How about that? Yeah, it was interesting. I, you know, I meant to ask Stefanski about that and then he brought it up. Um, it, it, it was weird that he didn't install captains. The first two years, he just made it a game thing, so he had a different guy every week. I thought that it was weird. Um, you know, he, there was a COVID year in 2020, so maybe that made it tougher to pick captains, and he was a new coach. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's better to do it this way, and, you know, I don't think there's any surprises on this list of five. Um, you know, it's Chubb and Betonio and Garrett and Anthony Walker and then Charlie Hewlett on special teams. You know, it's kind of interesting. There's no quarterback. But that's the situation the Browns are in, right? Obviously, it's not going to be Deshaun Watson. And do you, you know, do you vote for Jacoby Brissett when he's really, you know, a placeholder? It probably doesn't make sense. So these five guys, um, they make a lot of sense.
1: Uh Scott, uh, how did it feel to go into the locker room for the first time in a while?
0: Yeah, it was it was nice. It was nice because, obviously, you like to be back in there, right? You get to walk up to guys without everyone else around, without having to set something up in advance. Um, so it was nice. They changed a couple things. There's some – elect their names – the player names are kind of lit up as opposed to just being like a standard placard. There's some electronics going on there. Um, they mixed – like sometimes some coaches do like all the players – all the offensive linemen together, all the receivers together. Stefanski's got everybody mixed, veterans next to rookies. Um, so it was good to be back in there. Um, you know, it, it really was because it had been since 2019. Yeah. All right, uh, two more. Is Stefanski on the hot seat this year? If things don't
1: go well, if he doesn't win enough games, could the Haslam yeah. say goodbye?
0: Yeah, Um, I wouldn't say hot seat because I think, it, to me – things need to go worse before you're on the hot seat, right? Like Matt Rule is on the hot seat because he's had two bad years. Um, he's headed into year three. Like there's obvious if you don't win now, you're in trouble. So I don't think Stefanski is at that point at all, right? He He's had two years. He had one really good year and then one slightly below average year. Having said that, I do think there is pressure on Kevin Stefanski. You mentioned the Haslams. Yeah, we know the Haslams, right? We know they're um, impatience. We know they're their tendency to change things out. So I do think there's pressure on Kevin Stefanski, but I think it's premature to say hot seat. Um, but if this season goes sideways, then I certainly think it's it's not reasonable. I think it's possible that there could be big changes, right? Sure. now, That's a long way down the road. Um, but yeah, like some, I don't know if it was you asked me, Chudder, somebody asked me, do you think these guys have, maybe it was a mailbag. Will, will the Browns, will Andrew Barry and Kevin Spansky get a mulligan because of the whole Watson situation? And I just don't think that's how the Hazlums a- operate, right? Like, I, I really do think they'll evaluate this season for this season. Um, and if things go really bad, there could be fallout. All right,
1: got to move on. Last one, AFC North. Sleep on it or don't sleep on it? I've heard some people say, you know, they're not worried about the, the uh, AFC North. Man, I disagree.
0: Oh yeah, you cannot sleep on this division. You can never sleep on this division. Um, I think Baltimore's going to be really good. I pick Baltimore to win the division. I think the Cincinnati's going to be really good. I just think there'll be some, you know, letdown or regression from going to the Super Bowl. That doesn't mean they can't go back to the Super Bowl, but maybe they, you know, are the wild card. That's how I have them as a wild card behind Baltimore. And I think Pittsburgh's going to be eight and nine or nine and eight, and the Browns are going to be right there too. So. If all four teams in the division win at least eight games, then you can't sleep on the division. All right, prediction time. Here we go.
1: Man, we've waited a while to do this. Uh, Last year, I think we did pretty well on this. But uh, let's give it a go here. Uh, You want to go first or second? Uh, Give me second. All right, okay. So I'll go first here. And and I got to tell you, I I think – neither outcome would surprise me. And I know people are like, oh, well, that's uh, – well, but here's the deal. There's a lot of times where I would be surprised. I'd be like, you know what? There's no chance they're winning this game or or the other way around. I I do think they could go in and win this game. But I'm going to go with Carolina, and I'm going to go 2017. And people might be upset about that, but here's the thing. And I know you don't take a lot of stock in 121-1, and but I do. And and the reason I do is I think that kind of is a poster of the Browns and the way they've been since they've been back and the drama in Berea. And, you know, there's something about the Yankees. There's something about the Steelers. Like, I can't necessarily put my finger on it, but I just do think something exists with that 121-1. and And until you show me you can do it, and I tell you that all the time, Scott, I'm a believer in show me and then I'll pick you, Right. So go ahead and win this first game, then I'll pick you to win the first game next year. I need, I need them to show me they can do it. I'm not gonna trust in that they can do it. So I'm gonna go 2017 Carolina. Now, if you know they had a, a star quarterback, or I also sure. need to see that they can win games with Jacoby Brissett. That's the other thing. I need, I just need visual proof that they, they can do it before I go out on a limb. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick 20 to
0: 17. Yeah, Chad. All that makes sense. It, it really does. Um, I think they're more talented than Carolina, and that's sure. Ball, agree. But that doesn't always Agreed. lead to wins. I, I get it, and they've been more talented than teams they played in openers in the past, and they still lost. Um, you know, I remember. I think they went down and played a bad Tampa team, and I thought they'd win, and they wind up losing. Right? Jake Delhomme rolls an ankle. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm I'm dating myself here, but.
1: Right, they, we could do a whole. Right. we could do a whole podcast on on the first weekend. I mean, how many like? Right, yeah, the nine six
0: or six three losses and helmets and all kinds of different stuff. Right, Braylon right? Edwards <laughs> dropping a wide open post route. That yeah, set a terrible tone for the season when they were. I think that's two thousand eight. They're supposed to be good. Um, so yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I just I think they're more talented than the Panthers. I think I'm not convinced Baker's going to light it up. Um, and by your score, you're not either, right? 2017 isn't um, Baker, you know, lighting it up and shoving it down the bronze throats. Um, but I think there's – I like the bronze defense. I like their pass rush. I like it more if Clowney plays, um, obviously. I like their secondary. I think there's going to be chance chances for interceptions from Baker Mayfield and maybe a sack fumble. Um, and if that happens, it can turn the tide. So I, I, I think – or I know, Baker versus bronze defense – I'm going to take the Browns defense. I agree with you. It's going to be low scoring. I almost went 2017, um, but I'm going to go Browns 20 to 13. And I think the defense makes a statement early in the season that, Hey, we're as good as we say we are. Um, and that starts against Baker. Now maybe Christian McCaffrey changes things, right? Cause he's that kind of player. Um, he's healthy. Maybe next couple plays that change the game. Um, but I'm going to go Browns. I'm going to go 2013. I thought about 2017, um, but I'm going to go Browns 20 to 13. So we're ne- neither of us are married to the prediction, but no. But I feel like I feel kind of good about the Browns winning. You do okay? okay. Yeah. I mean, I would. i wouldn't bet the house on it. I can see how they could lose, right? You laid out um, a path for them to lose. I laid out a path. You know, Christian McCaffrey has a couple of big plays. Baker plays really smart. Whatever it is. Um, Drew said plays poorly, Um, but I kind of like the Browns in this game. Um, Again, just because I think they're more talented. I think the defense has a chance to shut down Baker. That's fair. All right. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Well, it wouldn't be the first time, Chud. Hey, before we go, um, I need a season prediction from you. We haven't done that yet, have we? Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah, we have not done a season prediction. What mm, man. Oh, that is so hard with uh yeah. you know not knowing for sure. Ah oh, man.
0: Caught off guard. I should have been ready for this. <laughs> well, I could kill 12 seconds for you. I'm going to go 8 and 9. Um eight. It, it just you know I keep I wrote a prediction column, it'll post at some point. Like I could see it going a million different ways, right? They get on a they start well, they win a couple games, you don't expect them to win. Deshaun Watson comes back and finishes it. Like I can see how they get to the playoffs. But having said that, I can also see how it could go wrong. And I think the schedule's hard. We talked about I don't think Watson's gonna go on some crazy run when he gets back. Um, all this distraction, all this uncertainty, it just feels like this team is going to go 8-9, and, and I think there's some kind of symbolism there. They went 8-9 last year, had all kinds of upheaval, right? Changed the biggest position on the team, and I still think they're going to go 8-9. Yeah.
1: Well, I remember last year, you know, I remember last year how everyone was going double-digit wins, and some were saying 12 or 13. Um, I mean, it could be uh, – and, and I went 10, and I, and yeah. I remember people what? were like, like – only 10 and 9, and they didn't even get to 10. So, um, I'll go eight and nine. I'm gonna go with okay. you. I mean, I, I'm trying to go nine and eight. I want to go nine and eight, but I'm trying to think in order for that to happen. So, that would mean Watson would go four and let's say Watson went four and two, but that would mean Brissett would have to win uh five, five games. Yeah, they have to go they, five and
0: six, they'd
1: have to go five and six. and did when we remember we broke that down a couple weeks ago yeah, with percent yeah. and
0: what did we have them at four? It was hard. Yeah. I mean, the it schedule, was hard. I mean, the schedule goes chargers and there's Buccaneers and you're at Miami and yeah. uh, you know, the division games, like it's hard after this first, the first four games. And well, one of the first four games is the Baker game. One of them's Pittsburgh in prime time, right? It's not like, yeah, it's not like all these games are gimmies, but it's, it's certainly the, the softest part of the schedule. So, I get it. And if, if I'm at 8-9 and, and you're at 8-9 nine or 9-8, nine and eight, that's them missing the playoffs, right? Which yeah. would be a big disappointment because this roster feels like it's talented enough to go to the playoffs. Um, but it would be, you know, I mean, I think it's fair to say it would be the quarterback situation, right? Yeah. That it's yeah. they don't get enough play out of their quarterback because the Pro Bowlers suspended for 11 games, right? Like, like I think you can almost... You could draw a direct line there, and then the Browns. Yes, they think they're set up for the future, but that move would really come back to bite them in 2022.
1: Yeah, it's and again, I think if we go back to the last time we did it, I, I think I had them winning four games. So mm-hmm. I guess in that regard, I would ha- in order to go nine and eight, I'd have to give Watson a five and one record, and I, I just don't know if that's possible. No, so they, I they play all three division opponents when he comes back. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to go different than eight, and nine than you, but I just think that's such a good record. Yeah. It's hard to go against it. I, I mean, I think maybe if, you know, I think you go eight and nine and and you hope that they surprise people and win some games that you didn't expect them to. There's a lot of people. I, I, I'm kind of confused by this, Scott, listening to some people around town. Wh- why are the Browns given such a, uh, a pass on last year? And everyone thinks that like, with Watson, there's even with Watson, they're just so talented. I know you always talk about how yeah. talented their roster is, but like, yeah. you know, they haven't proven to me yet that they deserve to be a team that you know is one of the better teams in the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point, Chad, and you're not wrong. Um, I, <laughs> to beat a dead horse, I think it's about the quarterback. Like, if Baker played better last year, they would have gone to the playoffs, right? Like, if he doesn't throw four picks on Christmas Day in Green Bay, then they have, then they have a chance, right? Like if they don't, if if it wasn't his fault, he had COVID, right. They lose to the Raiders on that crazy COVID reschedule game. And they could have been in first place in the division. Instead they're in last place. Like there were chances for them last year. And in my opinion, Baker didn't play well enough. And we could fight about whether or not there's a shoulder injury or not, but the quarterback wasn't good enough. And, they changed, they blew up everything to improve the quarterback spot. And they have from a po- football perspective, but that guy can't play for the first 11 games and has brought a black cloud over this organization. So until you start to see Deshaun Watson play like a pro bowler, then you can't, I think it's hard to predict greatness from the Browns. And I do think that we, it goes back to the quarterback means so much. And even if you have all these other pieces, it gives you a chance, which is why, you know, eight, and nine, isn't that far from nine and from eight and nine, isn't that far from 10 and seven, which probably gets you in the playoffs. Right. So if you're mm-hmm. able to run the ball great and your defense plays great, like if the bronze get a bunch of turnovers on defense this year, then that's how you win a couple games. You should, you know, you don't expect to win. So like they're right there, but the, the position that needs to put you over the top is your quarterback. And the bronze have big questions to quarterback, even though reset gives them a chance you know, where do if you rank the starting quarterbacks in the league, he's at the bottom because he's generally considered a backup, right? So mm-hmm. it's so much about quarterback. It was last year and it's gonna to continue to be about it this year.
1: Yeah. I think bottom line is probably in that seven, eight, nine range, right? I I I think yeah. I mean I think we I think we'd be shocked if they only won four games, but
0: you know, I think we'd also be shocked if they won like twelve or thirteen. Oh, there's no doubt. Now, I, I think I would see an easier path to four, right? Like, <laughs> but, you know, you, yeah. you get off to a bad start, stuffs goes sideways, Brissette gets hurt, whatever. Like, you know, we've seen it enough here where things go off the rails. Brissette would have to play great or way above expectations for the bronze to get to 12 wins. Like, right. It, it just, that seems hard for me to get my head around. And this is mm-hmm. not, it's not a knock on the cover set. It's just, This is a tough league. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC. When you match them up, you go, Brissett's not as good as this guy. He's not as good as Burrow. He's not as good as Jackson. He's not as good as Herbert. He's not as good as Brady. Like, you go down the Browns' schedule. So, yeah, it's harder to get there. Now, the Browns believe they have a formula to give them a chance. And I believe that they do. I'm not arguing that at all. But it goes back to the beginning of the conversation. You need your quarterback to make a certain number of plays. And it's yet we've yet to see said, do that in a bronze uniform consistently, right? And he didn't really do, you know, in Indy. He went seven and eight was his best year. That's pretty good, but that's the same as eight and nine, right? Now the argument is the talent's better in Cleveland, and it is. So we'll have to see if that leads to wins, but that's the hope certainly for him and the organization is that he's going to get enough support that um, his game will be lifted and he'll make those plays. And again, I'm not ruling that out, um, but the schedule's hard, you need to see it first. You need to see. You need, like you always say, you need to see this team do it on a consistent basis. And really, they did it in twenty twenty for that last stretch, and that's about it.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I'll tell you, you really you threw me a curveball there. I, I should have been prepared for that. And I just, I guess, I, it's just been such a weird offseason, feeling like it's two different teams that it's hard to come up with one record because it just feels like two different teams. No, that's a good point. Chuck. And I didn't mean to throw you for loop, but I didn't want to get that on the record. So I'm going to shock you all and I'll just go nine and eight to be different. And Fair just enough. somehow they, somehow they win a couple of games you didn't expect. And also I don't get a lot of hate emails since I picked <laughs> them to lose in week one, but, uh, I think seven, eight, nines kind of in, in the area there. But, uh, before I go, man, I just want to say I am pumped for fantasy football, uh, my 27th year as a commissioner Ooh. of my league. It all starts tonight. And then Scott, you go on uh serious satellite radio with the fantasy show with, uh, uh, John Hansen, uh, fantasy football morning, the yep. guru. And, uh, you've been on with him many times. I ended up getting in his league, the Adam Kaplan invitational, uh, had to send in a video. Uh, and, uh, I was one of the nine that got in. So I'm pumped for that. Uh, that all starts up tonight. So he is awesome at fantasy and, uh, Um, pumped up to be in there
0: yeah that's awesome yeah he we struck up a conversation once at the combine now I see him every year at the combine um Adam Kaplan and I worked together way back in the day um he knows his stuff so that's pretty exciting to be in that league buddy yeah uh, the
1: guru always says, "Get there," and I got there, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> not now. Now I'm not just happy I got there. I want to go win it and win it for Cleveland, baby. Bring home, <laughs> bring home the ACI trophy
0: for the city of Cleveland. There you go, <laughs> you and LeBron. Yeah, cool. there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. How about that? Yeah. Good. All right, Chud. Thank you so much, buddy. Um, I think this was a good, a good episode. We got a, jammed a lot in. I know you got places to go. Um, we'll do this next week and we'll have a game to talk about, huh? So that should be fun. So thanks. Sounds great, man. Enjoy uh, think, your trip. Oh, thank Bring you. Yeah, I'll, be in, I'll be in Charlotte. So thanks everybody for listening. Again, go to brownzone.com. You can read all the um, – I always read all my work, but I have a lot, I had a lot of sit-downs during training camp and in the last week um, with some of the big-name guys on the team. So I wrote about that, and it'll be posting in the next couple of days. So thanks, everybody. This has been another episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast.